What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is the first time you're checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with entrepreneurs, content creators, and just awesome folks that are on our radar to discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their business, create content, and more importantly, be more productive. Now, when it comes to the toys aspect of the podcast, it's very easy to think it's just about action figures or Funko Pops or Gundams or things like that, but we embrace toys here in a more general sense. Whether it's someone that collects jet skis or vintage cars or a knife collection, everyone's definition of toys is different, and we love to embrace that more general definition here on this podcast for a few reasons. Number one, it allows us to connect with our guests on a more personal level, and number two, it allows us to break up a lot of the business and entrepreneurship talk that is the driving force of the conversation for this podcast. And of course, who doesn't love to geek out about the stuff that they're passionate about? I know I do. That's for sure. With that out of the way, I'm going to switch things up this week and keep our housekeeping to a minimum. So I want to give you a little bit of background on how our guests got to us and also a couple of key takeaways from this conversation. So I want to thank the fine folks at Long Island Networkers, because without them being involved and me attending their meetings, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet this week's guest. Adam and his team are doing really, really great things when it comes to to networking out on Long Island, and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do for the rest of 2022, and keep an eye out for some cool stuff that we're going to be working with Adam on in the future. Very excited for that. As for this week's guest, she is uh, an amazing, amazing human being, brings to the table a ton of amazing skills from web development to being a musician to running a media company. Uh, This young lady has done it all, and I'm really excited to share her story with you. And there's a couple of things you could take away from it. Number one, that even though your passion when you are on your entrepreneurial or content creator journey may be singular, it will change and it will evolve and it will be something that you will need to adapt. Sometimes you may wake up and say, you know, I want to be a firefighter. And you know what? Life may deal you a different hand and you may not be able to become a firefighter, but you have a bunch of amazing skills that you might not know about yet or you're not using fully. And sometimes that curveball lets you go out there and try something new and unique and make your mark. Uh, Definitely something that was very, very uh, prevalent throughout the conversation with this week's guest. The other takeaway is that lean into your strengths and find ways to make those strengths profitable for you. It doesn't necessarily have to mean a six-figure bank account, but just something that makes you feel good, whether it's, you know, volunteering, sharing your skills with others, creating content that may inspire others to also create lean into those strengths and then use them how you see fit. This this guest had so many strengths at her disposal and she tried a bunch of different things and right now she is crushing it. So I want you folks to take those uh, little anecdotes away from this conversation and of course much more. Enough of my yammering, let's turn it over to this week's guest and learn about the toys and tech of her trade. 
My guest this week is entrepreneur, web designer, and all-around creative talent, Sarah Laval. Sarah and I connected mostly through Long Island networkers, but with all the work that she's putting into her brand, I'm shocked we didn't connect sooner. We're going to sit down and break down the toys and tech of her trade. Sarah, what's going on? How are you? Hey, Rich. I'm great. How are you? I'm very excited that we got to sit down and discuss so much of the work that you're doing. Um, obviously, there's so many creative aspects and so many layers to what you do. You're a web designer. You do branding services for small businesses and startups. Uh, you own more than one company. You are tried and true entrepreneur to your core. But I kind of want to backtrack a bit and dig into how you got started on your entrepreneurial journey because you've run the gamut of just regular work. You did procurement, you did management, you did uh, advertising, you did a bunch of stuff. What what clicked for you to ch- switch gears and be your own boss? So I remember the day and I was sitting in my cubicle and this is after working at my sec- second corporate job. And I'm in my cubicle and I'm looking around at my coworkers that have been there for 10, 15, almost 20 years. And they looked miserable, Rich, miserable. Like they just, I just looked at them and I said, I do not want that to be me. I want the effort that I'm putting into my task and my daily job and my life to equally reflect the outcome, you know, and not just keep pumping all of my time and energy and just making a mere $22 an hour fighting to get a 50 cent raise. It just, it didn't click for me anymore. So I just, that was the day I woke up. And the thing about it is, and it's scary because so many of us, we get that old school conditioning. I'm sure you got it too growing up. It's like you work, you work, you work, you Mm -hmm. save, you save, you save, then you retire. Everything hurts. You don't want to do nothing, but you have all this retirement money now that you can't even enjoy because you're so tired and beat down and broken from just the rigors of regular work that you can't enjoy it. It's so true. And there is sometimes dissonance with um, colleagues, friends, family that you come across along the years. And I am always one to put experience over money. And some people are like, no, you need to, you need to work, 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 put money into this, retire at 65. And like you're saying, then go on vacation. But I was always known to just pretty much say yes to any opportunity that comes along because I'm sure when I'm older, I'm going to look back and I'm going to remember my experiences over my shifts <laughs> working at a job, you know, that I didn't even like. So there was actually, I have a funny story. Um, this is, of course, when you're working in corporate, you're not allowed to do this. But I had booked a flight to New Orleans before asking off. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to my manager, I typed a nice email and I said, hey, I'd like to request off for these dates. And it was Rich for the next week. Like I, I just was checked out at this point and I'm like, I'm going to New Orleans. So, um, I email her and I ask her off and she says, well, one, you didn't give us much notice. And two, you can't because one of your colleagues is already taking off those days. And I said, listen, I'm like, I already booked the flight. I'm going. I was just giving you the respect of letting you know. <laughs> and that was it. She's like, don't ever do that again. And I'm like, okay. By the way, I'm also, um, leaving. There you go. <laughs> that was like the next conversation. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just believe that you just need to do your thing. And if you feel in your heart and soul that you want to experience something, experience it. You know, some people really love working for other people and that's great. Do you? But, um, for me, it just wasn't what I wanted for my life. So I really took strides to, uh, start something on the side on off hours and then 
once the time came, I just saw the potential in Simple Sweet Sites. And I said, you know what, if I'm going to succeed, I trust myself and I know who I am and I'm going to do well. And I pretty much just quit, gave them a month's notice and I jumped off the cliff and hoped that a parachute would open on my way down. That That is tremendous. Um, kind of Kind of going back to that a little bit and and unpacking it a little further what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid hmm. it shifted so when i was younger i actually i've been playing viola since i was 8 and that was always a passion of mine and i'm still unsure why it was in my life for so long um because i actually did end up going to college to be a music performer i love playing in pit orchestra i love playing in um weddings during the ceremony it just lights me up i love love um so that's really what I wanted to do is be a professional performer. But then uh, once I started playing in a few pits, that's when you realize it's kind of like slave work as much as I enjoyed it. And I love the musical. Um, it's just hours and hours and hours of rehearsal time. And then you're just playing the same thing over and over and over. And on top of it, you are crunched into this little hole in the floor <laughs> with no air and no room to even move your bow. Um, and I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. Um, it it's like a struggling artist thing. So if you're, I feel like if you're not going to be professional on Broadway, it's not really um, lucrative. Interesting. Make a career out of that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. It's funny. Cause when I, when I was growing up, my, um, my mom wanted me to learn the drums mm. and I just was not, I'm not musically inclined, but I've always had a fascination with the violin. I've always liked the violin. So mm -hmm. it's interesting like to hear your story and see that there's, all this underlying creativity that was essentially stifled by the nine to five. And then you made that conscious choice to, to unshackle yourself. And like you said, just jump off the cliff. It's mm -hmm. very admirable. Thank you. Thank you. Now doing all of that and then jumping into simply sweet sights, where did you start learning that aspect of, of your business, the, the web design, the web development, like, how did you come across that? Because everybody kind of has different journeys to get into it. Like I had to kind of learn it by choice. Um, and there's some people that have always been, Hey, I built my first website through geo cities or <laughs> whatever it is. There's always some, there's always some underlying story. What, right. what was your path to, to start doing that? So I actually, for a short while started a company in the music realm. Um, it was with my friend and business partner. Um, she played the violin. I played viola, like I said, and, um, we started a music entertainment company where we would play for weddings. So I had to learn how to make a website for that because I felt I was capable. So I was like, let me just learn it, learn the program. And then I also started a blog with a friend and I made a website for that. And then as I was networking the music company, I met other business owners that needed website help. Um, so I was like, oh, I got you. Like, let me help you with this. But then I realized the need was so great. That's where the inspiration come to start came to start the company. Um, but tied into starting learning how to do the website design, it came natural to me because I am actually a very avid online shopper. <laughs> I do that for fun, even if it's just to get my fix and fill the cart and then exit out. Um, a typical girl, I guess. But I spent, I grew up in the 90s. So I basically from the inception of getting desktop computers into our homes and then watch, experiencing the evolution, I was just always on the computer. I was that kid that came home from school, did my homework, family thing, and was on my computer for hours every single day. So I 
have this perspective of what I think a website should look like. I knew when a website was annoying to navigate what I would have fixed, what I'd like to see. So then I basically just learned how to implement what my vision was. And that's kind of how I birthed how to learn it. I just kind of threw myself into it. Now, obviously, building as a building a site for your first company and kind of jumping into that, I feel like for many entrepreneurs, that's kind of how it always the road takes them because you're kind of forced and you you may have the same feeling like you have to keep up with the Joneses. It's like, all right, I got my company. My company needs a website. My company needs a Facebook page. My company needs this. My company needs that. How did you consciously know when you were building the site, like, this is the footprint I want to have, and this is the future I want to have building sites for other people? Like, what was that moment, that that light bulb moment for you with regards to that? So whenever I'm seeking a product or a business that I'm trying to find, I look online. Um, that's pretty much how you validate if it's a real company if it's legit. Um, so I knew that if I was networking and passing out business cards and doing all of this on foot work um, and digital work, that it was only going to lead to my social media page and my website. And if my website wasn't in check, then it my business wasn't legitimized in my eyes. So um, I wanted to make sure that my website was a reflection of the quality that I was going to be giving with my service. Now. The thing with that is I've I've seen the work you've done and your your work is meticulous. It is clean, concise, easy to navigate everything. Or you check off all the boxes that you mentioned that are crucial to a site. And the thing about it is that you're not using the tried and true web development tools. You are you, you are a Wix website builder. And the yep. thing about it is that there's a stigma with that. And you and I talked about this off air about mm-hmm. Wix and Squarespace and some of these more turnkey options. But I got to tell you, all jokes aside and and not not bullshitting you in the least. When I saw it, I was like, this is a Wix site. Get out of here. <laughs> and I was I was truly, truly impressed. Um, talk me through that, because like I said, there's always been like that stigma with those turnkey options. You know, what did you do to differentiate? Um, your offerings from that because people had that preconceived notion of, oh, it's a pre-built site. Definitely. So they do have um, templates just like the other ones do, Squarespace, Squarespace Shopify. Um, but Wix allows for so much more customization because it's more of a drag and drop platform. So rather than it being a plug and play and you being forced to swap out the stock image for your image and this is where it is and that's it, you can actually drag and drop to the pixel where exactly how big you want something to be, the width, um, what uh, location and space where you want it. The animations are so fun. So it just allows for so much more freedom and it doesn't force you into an element or a place on the site. Um, And that's how I'm able to customize uh, the website. So Sometimes you can use templates, which a lot of designers do as inspiration. But what I found as I became more familiar with the program over the years is I would just start with the blank site or I'd start with the template and end up trashing the whole thing anyway, because I had my own vision for it. So Wix allows that freedom to if you're not really 
familiar with the program, if you're new to it or new to design, you can just take one of their templates and you can swap everything out, change the colors. That's great. But um, for me, what I'm trying to do is really represent somebody's brand to the T where, like you're saying, you go onto the website and now you're in their business. You know, like I want the emotion to be communicated. I want you to feel like you're having an experience with their brand rather than just a website that has their logo. And I think that's a very, that that's a point that a lot of businesses miss. They figure, oh, I'll just use GoDaddy website designer or whatever, whatever thing they give you when you buy a domain. And then they just hope for the best. And to your point, if your web presence is the first thing people see and it's not good, how do you expect to convert that for people to walk into your business or call on you to do a service for them? Is that something that you have to kind of talk people through? Because I'm sure when, when clients come to you and you could walk me through that a little bit is, Oh, Sarah, this is the idea I have. And I'm thinking this and you're like, yeah, that's not going to (laughs) work. I mean, I haven't really hit many uh, walls with not being able to implement somebody's vision, which I think is really cool that I'm able to do that. Um, But yeah, I think more of the struggle would be if I were to approach somebody and tell them they need an updated website and them thinking what they have is fine, you know, which like it's better to be online than not online at all. Right. So yes, of course it's fine, but do you want just fine or do you want a site that converts? Because this day and age, especially since COVID, um, how many people are starting businesses, you know, and each industry is so saturated power to everybody. I love that everyone, people are breaking away from the matrix, you know, and like starting their own thing and seeing the value and being their own business owner and own boss. Um, I just (laughs) think that it's really important to focus on exactly what's going to represent your business online um, in the best way, because when it's saturated, you have so much competition and now you want to separate yourself. That's where I was going with that. You want to separate yourself from the other people within your industry because each person is uniquely you. So say if there's even... I don't know, uh, five chiropractors, they probably each have different ideologies and they each have different experiences and different focuses. And you really want to attract that crowd. So the goal is not to appease everybody. It's to find who you're going to vibe with and then get that person to connect with you and then seal the deal and then get them in the door. Tell me about your first paid client. It was a restaurant, believe it or not. That was a restaurant. My, um, my trainer, my uh, personal trainer, who was actually my first, first site, but that was, um, a trade of services connected me to a restaurant. And that was so fun. I was so excited. That's when I used to work remote from a coffee shop and I was sitting there (laughs) happily typing out their entire menu because they were so old school that it was not digitalized at all, but I didn't even care because I was like, Oh, this is my first client. This is great. (laughs) Now, when, when you, when you got that first client and you closed it and you delivered that first site Mm -hmm. and they were just like, man, you know, Sarah, this is, this is great. This is amazing. We love it. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that moment because what happens is sometimes when people have those moments, they don't relish them and realize like, this is what I should have been doing. How was that for you that first time when they were like, man, you know, you killed this. This looks great. That was the validation I needed that I was on the right track. Um, and what's been consistent throughout this entire process, I've done over 60 sites with Wix at this point, um, is I somehow, without being boastful, seem to hit it on the head 
every single time where I give them the first draft and they're like, wow, <laughs> like if I were to do it myself, like that's my goal is that's what it would have looked like, or it exceeded my expectations or that reaction just lights me up, makes me so happy. And I'm like, yes, okay, cool. I did my job. I'm in the right place, right time right now. Um, so just joy is what I feel. Now, obviously, you know, there's, there's always the high points. Uh, tell, tell me a little bit about when you've had to fire a client. Believe it or not, that's never happened. Are you kidding? Really? Yeah, because the only thing I could think of why that would have could have happened or would have happened is if maybe they were requesting too many edits and we just weren't seeing eye to eye. And I swear to you, that has never happened. There was one client where they just had a vision that she was having difficulty communicating to me and I had to kind of like weed it out. So we did have a lot of back and forth, but we still came to a product that she was happy with at the end. So yeah, never happened. That's awesome. That That is tremendous only because, you know, and you've probably come across this. People are always like, yeah, sometimes you got to you got to you got to fire your clients. You got to cut them loose. It's not a fit. But mm-hmm. the fact that you're able to to bring every client's vision to life successfully is tremendous. That just that just also shows you have a, a, a knack for just picking up and deconstructing what people are looking for. Yeah, I created a unique process in order to do so. Um, don't want me to get into that. Please. Now, or is that? Please. Jumping the gun. Okay. No. <laughs> um, so basically what I do is I offer a free 10 minute intro call and that's really where we vibe out to see if we're a match. Um, so if we are, the next process is I coach them through. I have a, um, a welcome packet and I link them to, I have something called a brand discovery form, which I created myself. And it's a questionnaire that starts to lead them into the content gathering and giving me information that I need, whether it be listing their services or just letting me get to know them and their business better. So I ask questions such as, why did you get into business? Why did you choose this? What separates you? What makes you special? You know, because you really want to start to hone in on what I was touching on before of what separates you from the next guy. Who are you trying to impact? Who are you trying to connect with? Um, So that's really the beginning steps of me getting to know my client. And then what I do after the content gathering is I have a required brainstorming call because what we do is we together review everything that they've given me. And over the phone, it's some magical process, which I'm going to have really like big issues explaining how I do it. But I feel like I psychically connect to these people at this point because I always leave the call with a vision of what it's going to look like. So I don't know if that's just, again, like some sort of magical psychic thing that's happening or if it's just my way of communicating um, and I'm able to extract. But I like to dig really deep um, with asking the right questions and trying to ask things that maybe someone else wouldn't ask because I want to extract um, the obscure. And then maybe within that is the juice and the guts that, is going to separate that person from other businesses. What out of all the sites you've worked on, what are your favorite kind of sites to work on? Because obviously there's always some that you lean into more creatively than others. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that some people, they, they, they love working on, you know, bridal sites because they get to see like people's stories unfold. It kind of gives them a glimpse into, into the clients that are going to be coming through the door for a photographer. How's that for you? What are what are what are sites and clients that you really just like, man, I can't wait to do this. 
I have two categories for two different reasons. So the first one is um, blue collar and things like uh, private practices and lawyers because their service is so straightforward and they always have the content ready to go. And it's a quick, easy site for me to flip um, and still make very unique. But on the flip side, I also really love working with artists, which for me, I'll consider an artist um, like a photographer or even someone that does hair. So that's fun because now now you're tapping into the other side of the brain where they probably already have a vision and they make things for a living, you know? So now I'm working with them to create something so beautiful and unique that now portrays and showcases their portfolio that right. is their product. So whether it's hair, so it's like, okay, if they, there was one client I had that does bridal hair and I was able to post all the pictures and videos of her final, all of her work, you know, and then photography, same thing, you post their work. So um, showcasing that in a fun new way each time is a real good time for me. I'm sure also as a, as a result, and, and this is something I wanted to go into, um, obviously word of mouth is going to help you grow your business. Um, how, how have you worked towards growing your business, especially in the midst of the pandemic and everything else? Because again, like you were saying before, everybody was kind of in place, relying on the web heavy. And of course, in that, in that regard, your skills were probably in higher demand, but how were you juggling that and everything that was going on? Because again, it was an unprecedented time in terms of trying to grow a business. Yeah. So I actually started on Instagram during COVID making videos and just trying to communicate with my existing community. Um, Instagram's kind of tough to grow on now with just posting, but I also would just go through local businesses because I'm trying to groundswell first. So I would go to local businesses, start following them, commenting. And then I also started posting and offering up that I would have a Zoom coffee session with them. I'm like, hey, we're all home, we're bored. Who wants to have a session, uh, a coffee date with me via Zoom now that we all have it downloaded and let's talk about your business or just connect as friends or get to know each other. Um, so that was one way. And it was actually really fun because I did meet a few people that I'm still friends with now from that little coffee date. So um, it kept us going, you know, we were able to motivate each other and, uh, keep that human connection. And then there was also um, networking groups that had weekly Zoom calls. So I would just hop on that any opportunity that I could, because now that's getting outside of my circle and getting to know people. So networking, as we know, is super important always. Yeah, the, it, it's it's an art form that continues to evolve and adapt. And I think that especially now with, like you said, so many people were disconnected that you have to find new and innovative ways to reconnect especially when you're trying to grow a business because th think about it it's always a, it's always the matter of i know i know a person or this person can help you and those conversations need to occur more frequently because i think that's how businesses really can grow especially in the current climate oh for sure and then especially building real relationships because i'm sure we've all experienced this where we go into a networking group and it's just people who are passing out business cards and requiring referrals. But I'm like, I don't even know you guys yet. And how do I know to that I can trust to refer you, you know, because I've had bad experiences where I've done that blindly. And then my I've actually ruined a client experience. That was one bad scenario that's ever happened um, just by blindly referring something. And then what happens is they lose 
trust in who you um, connect them to, you know? So it's very important to really take time to do those one-on-ones after the fact and get to know the person as a human. I think that that's super important. And I'm glad you really touched on that because I think that a lot of people they consider, and I think that's one of the things that's very off-putting about the word networking to so many. It's exactly that. Just a bunch of people handing out business cards instead of having those real connections. Because at the end of the day, if somebody does work in your house and you like their work, you have a trust in them to continue that quality of work for someone else. And if you don't know them and you're just going based on them handing you a card, you lose that personal connection. And I'm glad you showcased and you mentioned that because I think that's where things kind of fall apart and people they lose sight of what the networking process really is. Yeah, for sure. You're investing in somebody in their business and their service. And once you invest once and you get burned, you're like afraid to do it again. And it kind of holds you back. Um, that I, I can't tell you a couple of clients, actually, how many times this has happened where um, they had a bad experience with a previous website designer, whether it be um, with a different like big company, I'm not going to name drop, Um big company meaning like corporate, you know, like a big worldwide company. And they pay so much money, thousands of dollars for a site that I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) like it would have been less expensive to come to me. And you also would have gotten a way better product. And so I kind of have to fix the fire also. Um, So that's where some leads would come from as well. Um, Rectifying unhappiness. (laughs) Well, no, that's, that's important because that, that right there, opens up a different type of client base. And I'm glad you mentioned it because people may ask, like, listen, what if what if my site was built on another platform? What if my site is on a platform that's just non-conducive to my business? Mm-hmm. The fact that you're going and you're remedying that situation and essentially taking your you're like you just said, you're fixing someone's mistake as part of your process is huge because a lot of people are like, well, you built this with this. I'm not touching it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically all we need is uh, wherever the domain is, it doesn't matter. At the end of it, when the site's ready to go live, we just go into the backend settings of your domain and we just change the DNS records, which is just a code you put in. And it yep. says, hey, now you can point this domain to your new Wix site. So um, you'll never know again, like you were saying, um, that it's on Wix. It's pretty much just whatever your domain, your .com is, it goes right to your new site. Yeah, that white labeling is important. And I think that that's one of the things that when when I saw the sites you did, I'm like, wow, you like, like I said, and, and I don't and I don't mean it in I don't want people to consider it in a disingenuous, but it's like, listen, there's no there's no watermark. There's no branding. There's no nothing like this is 100 percent perfect, completely self self-made. Like, again, like you just said, you wouldn't you wouldn't even know that that's the case. And, and I want to keep driving that point home. Because I know a lot of creators, they listen, they ask questions. And one of the things that they're always going to be like is, oh, you know, these sites and trying to build this. You, Yes, you can build a, a site and spend $10,000 on it. But mm-hmm. is the $10,000 going to bring people in the door? Because it doesn't matter at that point. I'm sure you've run into sites that are beautiful, but they convert zero. Right. And vice versa, <laughs> where it's, it's ugly and that it still doesn't convert, you know, it's... um. There's, of course, so many layers that go into it, too. And this could just be a whole nother conversation. But even regarding SEO, like there's a lot of um, on on page SEO that we can work on that I've had my clients call me and we didn't really do much extra SEO work. And they still say they're being found on Google. I'm like, that is so cool. You know, so I really make sure 
that um, I keep the goal in mind of wanting the site to convert because um, that's really the ultimate goal. It's having call to actions. It's having a site that's easy to navigate because our attention spans are so short as we're evolving through this digital space, which I blame Instagram <laughs> being the original reason for our nonstop <laughs> scrolling, um, where if you don't get their attention within the first two seconds, this is a, a statistic. They're gone. Yep. We have monkey brain and our attention span. Another statistic is we have a shorter attention span than a goldfish. A goldfish, I think, is at like seven, eight seconds. We're at six. That's crazy. It's it's a scary it's a scary thing. And the problem also and and we're going to dig into this a little deeper is that in terms of growing your business, old methodologies don't work. And mm -hmm. I think that people, they kind of become married to, oh, I got to. I got to write here and I got to do this and I got to have a newsletter and I got to do that. And it's like, yeah, all of that stuff is great, but all of that stuff becomes things that you're shackled to that you have to babysit. And then you're so immersed in doing that, that your product suffers because you're so busy trying to be plugged into every other site. How do you, how do you personally overcome that? Because, you know, we were talking about your, your journey, your work on TikTok, your work on Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, et cetera. How do you know or how do you prioritize what you feel is best for you to grow your business? So I actually like to go by the ideology of um, good enough, <laughs> you know, like as, as long, like I was saying before, as long as you're online, that's good enough, but it's your choice to choose to focus on something and take it to that next level always. But um, I would even say something such as taking time to put yourself on all platforms just so you have that exposure rather than trying to perfect it and not putting yourself on TikTok, for example, because you're quote unquote, not ready. Right. Just do it. Even if it's like semi okay, just get that presence going. You can perfect it along the way. Or if you're ready to one week, okay, I'm going to now level up my TikTok presence. You're not starting from scratch. You have something going. So um, what I've been doing, and this is a recent discovery, is I actually started batch working where um, this at least works for me. I have my planner. I've had planners for years and I just throw them in the trash unused every single year. This year, <laughs> I said, no, I'm using it. So basically, the purpose of my planner is I schedule for the week. I have a to-do list of tasks. So basically, it's just a general list that I have on a notepad. And I take those items by priority and I take one at a time and I put it into my planner and I say, this is the day I'm going to work on this. And I batch the work by not allowing myself to get distracted by other things or pressure myself that 10 things need to get done. I say, no, Sarah, you're going to start this project today and you're going to finish it today. And the productivity level has skyrocketed and things are actually getting done and I'm actually moving forward and it feels so good. Um, so I, for anyone that has trouble just switching gears hour to hour, if you want to try that, it's found much success on my end. So I highly suggest it. So with that said, talk me through like a, a typical content day for you. Like, how do you, how do you structure your day with regards to that? Because obviously there's content time, there's you time, and then there's life. Like, how do you, how do you balance that out to ensure that you're checking off those boxes for that day? Because like, for instance, if, if you're doing, let's say, content for Instagram and TikTok, how much time do you allocate to that? And, you know, where where does that time 
bleed into the editing process or the the promotional process or making sure you're using the right hashtags how to walk me through that a little bit so i'm all about adaptability and i very much work on the fly a lot um which is i know not recommended by most um i actually began prioritizing life and what needs to get done so say if i wanted to go to the gym and take a pilates class like i'll say okay that is at eight o'clock and you can't move that because it's a scheduled class now what else needs to get done today and i'll fit it in so um what I apply regarding content with the batch working is any of those text images, which you've seen me post. Yep. I have been preparing those in advance. So I'll have on Canva the file with like the multiple slides of all of my posts. And then I have a coinciding word doc that I say slide one, slide two, slide three, and I type out all the captions. So you can go into business.facebook.com and actually schedule on Instagram and Facebook all the posts. So I do it one at a time because I don't know when I'm going to be creating my reels because those are the ones that I do on the fly. So um, I don't post like all 10, for example, I'll do it the day before or the morning of because I say, okay, I'm ready to do a reel today. And then I'm going to want a text post next. So this is my time frame. Um, regarding reels, it's the day I feel like doing my makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've just pretty much been either feeding off of the text post that I've been doing, or I actually have been utilizing OneNote, which I'm obsessed with. Do you know what that is? Yep. Microsoft OneNote. That's how I used to originally do my show notes. Okay. Yeah. Obsessed with it. It's just organize my thoughts in such a way that I didn't realize I could. Um, I Every time, like, I don't know when you feel mo- most creative, but for me, it's like when I'm relaxing, when I'm in the shower, when I'm driving. And like, I started to forget. I'm like, Oh, I had a really good idea in the car before, but what was it? And then it's gone forever. So I now utilize OneNote to just keep a list of all the real ideas that I have. And then, so when I'm ready to record a reel, I just go on there and say, okay, what am I inspired to record today? And then I pretty much just put a word doc up on my computer, type out a vague dialogue of what I want to say, and then I record it. So I got reels down, um, to under 10 minutes. And more importantly, you're also doing collaborations. I see the stuff you're doing with with, with Alicia. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we try to keep it fun. She yeah. is always down for my ideas. So love her for that. No, that's but but, you know, it's funny because people sometimes they need that creative spark from another person. This goes back to what you were saying before about community and interacting, because right now you might have 10 ideas and you might be like, man, this will really play good off of somebody. And to have that somebody to help you execute that, it just adds that human element that is so lacking when it comes to people trying to, and I use this uh, loosely, sell themselves on the internet because it's like, oh, here's me. This is what I do. Buy my stuff. Use my service. And it's like, but who are you? Yes. Yeah. Relatability. I mean, showing your personality via the internet, via your website that's how you're going to connect with the right people. Because if, again, they don't vibe with you or you're not putting yourself out there in a genuine way, you're not going to connect to the right people or enough people. Um, we're all human, whether we own a business or don't or are a consumer. And I just think that it's so important to be yourself. Um, it makes people feel even more comfortable to reach out to you. The last thing you want to do is intimidate somebody. So putting the show of perfection on when you're trying to sell and everything's great all the time. It's like, no, that's unrelatable. Like I have, I I have hit walls with things, you know, and I want people to know that. And 
I have these feelings when I'm shopping or looking for something, or even um, today I, I put a post up about um, just having a block about even starting a project. Like yep. we make things so much bigger in our head. So th- that's the kind of stuff that humanizes my profile and says, no, like I feel these things too. I get it. Let me help you. It was funny. Cause I was actually going to ask you about that, you know, about creative blocks, because when I saw that, I'm like, damn, that's, that's me to a T. Like there are days when I'm like, you know, I got to film today or I got to write a, write a post or whatever. And I'll sit there and just stare at the screen and my brain just doesn't click yeah. to, to, to shift into that gear. And I, mm-hmm. and I wanted to bring that up because again, it adds that human element. But the second part of that, that I wanted to ask about is what, what are some strategies that you use to dig yourself out of that? Because like you posted that video and it was very unapologetic. It was like, listen, we all hit blocks. Like it happens. But yeah. the next part of that is what are you doing or how are you adapting? to kind of move out of those blocks, even if it's partially. So uh, don't think, just do. So a lot of the blockage usually is us overthinking. We're very much in our headspace and we can even say it, we can relate it to um, doing laundry, you know? Yep. So <laughs> we have this load of laundry. Oh my God, I don't want to do this. Oh, and like you're shopping. It's like, oh, I still got to do laundry. I still have to do laundry. Oh, I don't feel like it. And like, it's weighing so much on your soul at that point that you know you have to do it, yet you're still not doing it. But then once you do it, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal and it's done. You know, and like that happens with projects too. So I'm going to use website um, as a relatable example mm-hmm. where you assume, and this is <laughs> the assumption is where we all get stuck. We assume it's going to be this long process. Oh my God, so expensive. I don't have time for this. Who am I going to find to do it? And it's like all these roadblocks you're putting on yourself instead of just starting the search for a designer, you know, or even just like pulling up a program and like seeing what it's about, watching YouTube video, taking action steps is a really good way to work around that rather than just sitting there and making excuses of why you shouldn't do it because you are wasting time. And I'm speaking to myself too. I've done this many times and that's why I'm able to talk about it. (laughs) And then also being prepared, like take advantage of those moments that you feel inspired. So my one note was a solution for me because when I'm driving and my head is clear, I have these really great ideas of, oh, if I was going to do a reel right now, this is what I would say. Okay. So rather than just like hoping I'm going to remember that later because my memory is horrible. I know this about myself. I accept myself for who I am, a forgetful person. And I I pull out my phone. And I make a voice memo if I'm driving or if I'm home, I'll write it down, you know, like work around your own weaknesses rather yep. than succumbing to your weaknesses and just accepting this is the way I am. No, how can I, how can I fix that? How can I work around that? Let me be compassionate to myself. It's okay. This is something I'm not really good at. It's not a strong point, but here's another solution. Let's try this. That, that piece right there about being compassionate to yourself is so important because we get pushed so hard hustle 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 don't sleep don't do this don't do that and it's like it's like when they tell you when the plane's going to crash and you got to put your mask on first before you save everybody else and people kind of lose sight of that and i'm glad you you brought that to the forefront because i think that's where people kind of they lose that motivation because they're like but but what about this but what about that like you just said, it's like, hey, I'm going to do a video today because I did my makeup today. So mm-hmm. 
since I did my makeup and I look like a million bucks, today is the day where I'm going to do five videos because I look like a million bucks and I feel good and it's going to come through in my content. Yeah. Expectations just lead, leave room for letdown. Sometimes it's good to push yourself and say, I want to be here and have goals. But I think there is a big difference between that and having unrealistic expectations where you're just setting yourself up for failure. That makes that is a, a perfect way to, to, to dovetail that and, and really hone in on more about what makes you tick, which obviously is going to take us into the hot seat, which is our Mm -hmm. series of rapid fire questions, uh, deconstructing not only our conversation that we've had, but just knowing you as a person. So I kind of want to start on the creative side when it comes to web design. So do you, I know you mentioned you worked in a coffee shop. Do you prefer sitting on your couch with your laptop or do you like sitting at a dedicated workspace to, to be creative and get your work done? I love working at my desk. I have string lights everywhere and I put my white noise on and I just go at it. Nice. Are you a uh, laptop or full desktop setup? Uh, both, but I prefer my iMac. Really? Yeah. Why, why, why more so than the, the laptop? Do you just feel that it keeps you tethered, like you said, to that creative space? Um, no, bigger screen, more comfortable to work. Nice. Obviously, you know, Wix is, is one of the programs that you use, but what's one of your other most used programs on your iMac? Canva. Yes. People sleep on it so much. I, I, I was one that was, I was like, ah, I don't need this. You know, I have Photoshop. I have this, I have that. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Obsessed with it. Yep. More than 10 solutions. It, it It's amazing. Yep. Like I was like, I was like, man, I actually got to pay for this now. <laughs> yes. Oh, so worth it. You have to upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> what are three mobile apps you can't live without? Oh, um, <laughs> definitely Instagram. Oh my God. I'm looking at my phone. Can I cheat? I don't know. I don't Please. Really use my phone that much. Um, yeah, I guess my social apps. I use Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat the most. Wow. You, uh, what, what's kept you using Snapchat? Just people, um, you know, or friends. Yeah. Nah, gotcha. Yeah. Only, you know, it's funny. I, I, I still have Snapchat and I use it for the news. Oh, really? I see. I never swiped to that screen. Like I read like the daily mail. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is a great way to just consume the news. Cause it's nice and easy. It's not too crazy. And yes. obviously they try to, they try to be a little bit more loose with the way they, they, they project the news out there. And I'm like, Oh, this kind of works. That's interesting. Yeah. I actually never swiped to that screen, but I know <laughs> some people that do. What's your favorite piece of tech besides your phone or your computer? I don't, <laughs> I really don't. I, I just bought <laughs> This is going to be a funny story. I just bought an iPad because I needed it for tax write-offs at the end of the year. And I, really? I validated all these reasons of why I needed this iPad. I'm going to start recording videos, which I am still holding myself to that on the iPad because it's new, improved. I'm going to start using Canva on it. No, I think I touched the thing, Rich, like five times in all of 2022. You want to laugh. I I, I have a, a iPad and I have the Apple Pencil and stuff. And I'm like, man, you know, I should be using this more because yes. I keep... I, because I keep like a Kindle, like, like, I mean, it's weird, but I keep a Kindle in the bathroom and I'm like, man, what am I going to use? What am I, what am I going to use this iPad for? And then I realized I'm going to use it to take notes because I had a thousand notepads thrown, <laughs> thrown through all my office. Yeah. And I'm like, just leave the iPad there charging and open up Apple pencil, you know, have the Apple pencil and just write. I like and, that. And it got like the most use possible. The other thing that's actually good it is great for editing video 
Luma Fusion on the iPad and uh, CapCut on the iPad. Outstanding. Interesting. All right. So then if I hold myself to recording on the iPad, I'm going to have to get those apps. Well, what you could do is if you're out and about and you're recording on your iPhone and you don't want to be stuck to it, then you could just airdrop it to the iPad and then edit there. Mm-hmm. I like it. I there like you go. Like there you go. That way you don't have another thing to look at. Yes. And it's bigger and easier for my eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> That's important. What was the last thing you looked up on YouTube? Probably a music video. I'm obsessed with Ariana Grande and Billie Eilish. So music makes me happy. Nice. Yeah. You so so you, you you consume your music through YouTube or do you or do you use Spotify or some other streaming services or is YouTube like the better option for you? I use Spotify for mostly everything. That's most of my day actually, and I have my own custom playlist. But um, I do like certain artists uh, live, so I like listening to their live sessions. So that's a YouTube. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Does music play in the background when you're working? Um, no, actually, I I don't. I get very distracted. So it's either white noise or if I'm, if I'm writing no music, if I'm designing or working in Canva, um, I don't have to worry about like thinking of something to say, then I can play music. What was the last thing you purchased that was less than a hundred dollars that made your life easier or just more enjoyable? And the beauty of this question is it doesn't have to be necessarily a physical thing. It could be an experience, which I know you appreciate. Oh, goodness. Food. <laughs> Food is never a bad thing. Yeah. Last night, um, so my boyfriend owns a construction company and uh, he was working late and then I was just busy all day. And I was like, if I could just not cook today, that'd be great. So we ordered Greek. So that made me very happy. Nice. What's your go-to dish when you order Greek food? Um, Pita. Nice. I like the, uh, the gyros. Nice. Yeah. All right. On the, obviously it's toys and tech of the trade. So, um, what was your favorite toy growing up? I actually, well, the computer. I was hesitating because I'm trying to think of a toy because I was always on the computer. I loved computer games. Um, and I also, so the Sims. Oh my God. Hours, Man. So many hours on yes. that game. <laughs> yes. And, um, like if work wasn't a thing, I'd probably still have that game. I love it so much. And then I actually am obsessed with the Nintendo 64. I still have it. And I do like the Switch, but I will pull out my N64 any day. Nice. What was the what was your favorite game on the sixty four? Double O seven. Oh man, there's so many rumors that they're gonna remake it, and I'm just like, please do. For the Switch? Uh supposedly they no, actually they're gonna try I think because the parent company was bought by Microsoft, it's gonna come out on Xbox, unfortunately. I'll still play it. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. It's like it's like the music. Oh, you kill the guy with the odd with odd job with the hat. <laughs> And the painful, it, oh my God, I had the whole thing unlocked. So. Uh, it was, it was so insane. Yeah. Um, what was the last book you read? Let's go to my Audible. I actually just finished Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, because not everyone learned about finances growing up. So. Hell no. <laughs> I tell people all the time, like, when you go to school, they prepare you for everything except the real world. Yeah. No filling out a W-2. No learning anything about opening a bank account. Nothing. Just good luck, guys. Here you go. Exactly. Exactly. And then before that was Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, the same one that wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Okay. And that is really great for artists because it helps you get through artistic block. So anybody feeling that, I 100% recommend Big Magic. I found it by many people recommending it to me. So I'm passing that along. Nice. What was the last TV show you watched? 
Uh, Big Bang Theory. Really? Yeah. You know, as a nerd who collects all the stuff that's big on that show, people are like, you're going to love that show. It's right. It's right up there for you. I'm like, I watched, like, I tried to sit through like a season. I'm like, no, I can't do it. Really? That's how I feel about The Office. Another (laughs) one. Another one that I just couldn't do. My wife loves it. I'm like, can't do it more so because I lived it, you know? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, What's a non-negotiable for you when it comes to your business? personal time nice what is something you changed your mind on in the last 12 months Hmm. how much i teach yoga really yeah didn't know you did that see learn something new Yep, I'm allowing more classes now at first i said nope only teaching one class a week and i actually just added a bunch of privates so that shifted big time <laughs> outstanding What's something you splurge on when it comes to business or personal development? Oh, 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 oh. Um, I think programs. So, like, I use Salesforce. That's a pretty big expense. Um, if I need some sort of technology, like my computer, it's easier to build a site on a computer that actually runs quickly. So I didn't hesitate upgrading my iMac. What's a piece of career advice you would have told your younger self? that you can self-learn more than you realize. Nice. How do you handle failure and how has that changed over time? I used to be really hard on myself. I'm a perfectionist by nature. Um, And now I'm more accepting of the development portion of things so that, that beating up myself will come up sometimes, but I can hone that in a lot easier. And again, the self-compassion just, um, it's a journey and there's no such thing as perfection. What's a piece of professional advice that you've received from someone or you read somewhere that you use or rely on for your business? Um, well, this one is, this one's fun. So my first boss, I, he actually said, uh, cause he used to work and live his life in just like gym clothes. And he's like, you don't need to portray yourself with certain clothes that don't match your personality just because you're trying to look important. He said, you don't need to dress important to be important. Nice. What's something or someone that makes you laugh? My dog. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> yes, I've seen I've seen your coworker. In your... Frenchie, yeah, <laughs> I love him. He's one years old and the best coworker. <laughs> Uh, outstanding news in right now <laughs> nice so we we usually wrap up the conversation with, with i'd like to call reach one teach one it's the last piece of actionable advice for our listeners and we frame it differently for everyone um you're asked to speak to a group of high school seniors that are going to go out into the world and embark on their careers college etc what's one piece of actionable advice you'd give them before they head out into the world to take time and put resources and time into self-discovery. So whatever that means for somebody, rather than trying to move forward in life with a decision that appeases other people, um, really take the time to learn who you are, what you love to do and what you're passionate about. And also take time to, again, self-teach and learn more about that subject um 
we have this really unrealistic expectation recently that we are already meant to be good at something, but maybe we're passionate about something that we haven't quite learned yet. So to take the time to learn (laughs) and um, try something new and just because something feels right now doesn't mean it's going to be right forever. So um, just take one chapter of your life at a time um, for what it is and treat everything like a learning experience because something you're doing right now, you don't, you're not really going to realize how it's going to benefit you until the future when you utilize that skill. So even if it seems like a silly job or I'm not making much money, um, if it's an opportunity, just take it for what it is and learn everything you can squeeze the juice. Awesome. That is a great way to close things out. Sarah, where can people keep up with you, the work, and any other projects that they may have in mind that they may need to hire you for? Yeah. So uh, walking the talk, everything's consistent. So I'm um, simplesweetsites.com. Um, I also have Instagram, Simple Sweet Sites. My email is inspire at simplesweetsites.com. Um, so all of those are great ways to contact me. I'm responsive on all platforms. Awesome. Sarah, thank you for taking the time to share the toys and tech of your trade. Thank you so much for having me. What a great conversation with Sarah. Sarah's just such a badass, superhuman person. So many great things, so many awesome gems that you could take away from this conversation, whether you're an entrepreneur struggling to find your way or someone that just happened to pivot and is looking to start a career in the creative space. There's a lot to unpack from this conversation. And as always, there's so many ways that I learned so many other valuable things that I can add to my business and my toolkit to make the work I'm doing better. Definitely check out the show notes for this episode so you can see everything Sarah and I discussed. And if you're looking to hire her for to do some work for you, uh, links to that will be in the show notes as well. As a reminder, full disclosure, as always, some of the items that are in the show notes may contain affiliate links, which if you click, we will receive a small commission at no additional cost to you. Just want to keep that out there, as always, for full transparency's sake. With that said, if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and give us a review, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you consume podcasts. Reviews are great. They help with social proof, getting more guests, et cetera, et cetera. You guys know the deal. I don't want to hammer it in too much. If you want to connect with us, you can find Toys and Tech of the Trade and Rageworks on various social media platforms. Just punch in Rageworks and we are there. The Rageworks Podcast Network actually has two dedicated social media accounts, one on Instagram and one on Twitter. So if you are jonesing for more podcast type of content or want to connect on the podcast side of things, feel free to reach out via those two platforms, which we usually manage... uh, Fairly frequently, most of the time, I'm a little bit more hands-on with those than some of the others. But either way, if you have a question or inquiry and you're using one of those and those accounts are accessible, feel free to reach out. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, shoot me an email, rich at rageworks.net. You can also use plenty of the podcast booking services that are out there. You can find Toys and Tech of the Trade there as well. Plus, I'm also doing some podcast guest appearances, and you'll see links for those uh, throughout the Rageworks Network website. So if you want to see me yammering on about podcasts or hear me yammering on about podcasts, definitely check out the site for that 
as well. I hope you guys enjoyed this slightly tweaked episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. We got so many great guests in store to take us through the rest of the fall season into the winter and hopefully to close out the year. By the time you folks are listening to this episode, we should be right around the end of Labor Day, heading into, for some of us, back to school, some of us the end of a holiday break. And I hope all of you had a great summer, and I'm looking forward to sharing so much more content with you for the rest of the year. Thank you guys for checking out this episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace. Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the Rageworks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageworksNetwork.com.